You're listening to Once Upon a Podcast, a show all about the rediscovery of children's literature. Join hosts Sarah and Chandler as they delight in childhood classics and discover new favorites. Hey, Sarah, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you, Chandler? I'm doing well. Um, actually, just got back from a fun short little trip that's pertinent. Um, really? Went to Portland recently to visit some friends, which was really nice. And it was so cool to see just there's so many wonderful things. But I love this time of year, especially because the trees were all changing and we got to go to a pumpkin patch and an apple orchard. And it was just so quintessential fall. That is beautiful. Oh, my gosh. What fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And as we were driving around one day, we drove past a high school and I immediately messaged you about it. You did. <laughs> because we drove past or was it a middle school? I don't remember. It was a school. I think, I think um, it was an elementary well, school. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Beverly Cleary Elementary School. What? I know. It was so great. And that was how I learned that a little bit of a spoiler, the author we're talking about today, uh, is from that area, which is fantastic. I know. It's so exciting. Well, as as you've as you've now said dear, to our listeners, we are talking about Beverly Cleary, specifically one of her many books. I believe she's written about 40, but we'll get into that a little bit. We're talking about Ramona the Pest. So let's uh, dive into some history here. Our listeners might be shocked to know that Beverly Cleary is still alive. Born on April 12, 1916, this beloved author just celebrated her 103rd birthday. Cleary grew up in Oregon, as Chandler has let us know, and many of her stories, including today's, are set there. From an early age, she was immersed in literature and the importance of books, but she did not love reading right away. In fact, she didn't learn how to read until the second grade. When she lived in Yamhill, Oregon, her mother founded the town's first library, and Cleary herself went on to become a children's librarian. Cleary attended college for two years at Chafee College, then was accepted to the University of California, Berkeley, where she studied English. It was here that she met her future husband, Clarence Cleary, what a great name, whom she would eventually elope with. (laughs) Clarence was a Roman Catholic, and her parents didn't approve of the match. After graduating from the University of Washington with her master's in library science, she took a position with a library in Yakima, Washington. It was this experience, working with children, that brought to her attention a serious deficiency in literature for them. Apparently, a student asked her, where are all the books about kids like us? So she began creating wonderful tales about Henry Huggins, Ralph S. Mouse, Ramona, and Ellen Tebbets. When asked where she got her inspiration, she would reply that it came from those around her. Even her twin children, a boy and a girl, made their way into one of her books. Before she retired in 2000, Cleary published 40 books, and all of them are still in print. The first book, Henry Huggins, was published in 1950 and was quite well received. Fun fact, Cleary originally named Henry's dog in the book Spare Ribs, but her publisher suggested she change it to something a, quote, little more child-friendly. Thus, (laughs) Ribsy was created. She receives a massive amount of fan mail. I I think she still does. I know she did. Um, And particularly regarding today's heroine, Ramona. I'm sure she does. Her Mm -hmm. books are still very popular. Mm -hmm. Cleary is a highly decorated author, and she has been given the National Medal of Arts, the Newbery Medal, the National Book Award, the Catholic Library Association's Regina Medal Award, the University of Southern Mississippi 1982 Silver Medallion, the 1985 Every Child Award, and the 1975 Laura Ingalls Wilder Award. One of her most prized achievements, though, was being named a living legend by the Library of Congress in 2000. 
Today's book, Ramona the Pest, was published in 1968 and was Cleary's 24th book. It tells the story of Ramona Quimby as she begins kindergarten. Ramona made her first appearance in Cleary's Henry books because, according to the CBC, she realized that all the children seemed to be only children, so she tossed in a younger sister. A movie about Ramona, entitled Ramona and Beezus, came out in 2010. Cleary was talking to the director, Elizabeth Allen, and asked her what the story's themes were. Allen replied that, quote, it's about this iconoclast who's learning how to navigate in society. To which Cleary responded, no, it's about growing up. Wow, that's harsh. I know. <laughs> and I was like, aha. <laughs> have you seen the movie by any chance? I have. Have you? Okay, I have too. I, I remember Selena Gomez was Beezus, and that's pretty much all I remember about it. <laughs> yes, she was. Joey King played uh, Ramona, and Jennifer Goodwin was actually in it. Oh, was she the mom? No, the teacher? she was the Sandra O oh was the principal. I think was the teacher, but um, oh, okay. No, Jennifer Goodwin was her aunt, who. Oh, yeah. They pulled from yeah. all, a number of different books for the movie. Yeah, she's not in this book, but I really I remember really liking my aunt, who was she was kind of like the cool older aunt that yes. they loved to be around, especially Beezus, right? Loved to be around. Exactly, it, she was awesome. Yeah, that's I can't, great. Totally slipping my mind what her name was right now because that was my favorite book. It was that one. Isn't her name B or Beatrice? Isn't that who Beezus is named yes. after? Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remembered something. Exactly. <laughs> Look at that. Um, yeah, she was she was great. She was super cool, and she ends up. Uh, Actually, well, I don't want to give spoilers, but to to our <laughs> listeners, that's definitely one of my favorite books, and that's uh, Ramona Quimby, age eight. That's the that's oh, the okay. Book. That's what gotcha. Yeah, my well, other we talk a lot. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say my my other favorite Beverly Cleary, at least in the Ramona books scene, is in that book as well. When Beezus and Ramona what have scene to, is that they have to cook dinner. Oh yeah, okay. I kind of remember that. This is the first book I think, like reading this for the podcast, I think is the first time rereading any of the Ramona books since I was a kid, like a little kid. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a lot I forgot. But even just I'm looking over the titles right now and realizing there's a lot I read, but there's a lot that I just did not know existed. <laughs> yeah, same. I I would agree with that. I thought I had read a bunch of them, but really when you look at the list, there's there's quite a number and yeah 40 okay. books is a lot <laughs> it's a lot and they all they cover a range i mean they're about animals and they're about people and boys and girls and they they're all in all different styles i mean she's got one that's kind of an epistolary style with dear mr henshaw and she's got one about a teenager and yeah they're all over the place that's so fun. I love that there's such a range. And one thing I didn't realize is that she was writing the Ramona series from 1959 all the way into 99. Yeah. Which is kind of wild. That's a long time. That's a long time. But I love that. Time. I love just how many generations have been able to grow up with her characters. One thing we talk a lot about is the way that we read books now as adults versus as kids and was there was there anything that you noticed that was different oh absolutely i actually found myself and i actually was upset with myself when i was reading it because i i loved this book when i was younger it definitely wasn't my favorite of her books i preferred other ones um but i, I definitely enjoyed this book but as i was reading it now i found myself being very frustrated with ramona because i'm like you're being ridiculous <laughs> but of course she is she's what five she and so I just 
I kind of took a step back from it as I was reading it. And I was like, oh, gosh. Okay. That's really interesting that this is so – it was so entertaining. And I just resonated so much. Or I, under, I felt like I understood her so much more when I was younger. And now to be annoyed with her when I'm when I'm this – this age I was a little shocked at myself I was like okay that's funny but that makes sense I think in kind of a similar vein I was just astounded with Miss Binney the kindergarten kindergarten teacher just (laughs) she has the most incredible patience (laughs) and she seems like a genuinely great teacher but Mm -hmm. that's so funny that that's not something I thought of as a kid but now I realize oh my gosh she gets up with a lot (laughs) oh my gosh I know right the you you occasionally see her kind of slip but she she works so well with all of the children I mean, she has to crowd what there's like what 25 of them almost 30 yeah and yep. <laughs> she is trying really hard to understand each of the kids and kind of where they're coming from and how to work with them on individual to to the extent of her abilities in the short time that she has and it's really impressive um but also you get so you get that but you also see how just Ramona is so, uh, oh my gosh, is desperate the right word for uh, for attention? Attention and but specifically because she wants to be loved by her teacher. She, it is very yes. clear throughout the book that she just wants to be loved by her teacher. Um, so yes, she just has this That's insatiable true. quest for attention. Yeah, and it's very sweet even though a lot of the things that Ramona does show that she's not the most well-behaved kid (laughs) um she really does everything she does she wants to please Miss Binny because she loves her and she's so afraid of losing the love that Miss Binny clearly has for her um which is just so sweet and I just love this idea of this kindergartner who admires her teacher so much but it makes sense because she's really great with Ramona she is. And I think one other thing um, with this, looping this in with the perspective side, is that I loved how principled Ramona was. This, it was just so funny. Um, she was, uh, things were a certain way and you had to follow them and things were very right and wrong, which I really, I thought was uh, entertaining. Yeah, she's not always good at following other people's rules, no. but she definitely has her own code of conduct of conduct that she's very strict about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, what's a that was one of my themes. What's a theme that jumped out to you? Um, the label I have for this is Ramona is not a baby. That was my theme. <laughs> um, because it's funny, Ramona throughout the book, she really hates being thought of as a baby. She doesn't like when her sister Beezus and Beezus's friend treat her like a little kid, or there's a couple times when boys on the playground will call her a kindergarten baby kind of <laughs> mockingly, and she just hates that. Um, in fact, she even stops riding her tricycle because only babies ride tricycles, and she lets her friend Howie take one of the wheels off to make it a lopsided <laughs> two-wheeler, which is just such a funny image. Um, she also feels very grown up when she loses her first tooth and gets to walk herself to school all on the same day, and that's a really big deal for her. She also doesn't understand why adults think children grow up so quickly because to her, it's the slowest thing there was, which makes sense because she's been doing it for her entire life. I think that this really captures the spirit of a lot of kids who think that they're older and more mature than they really are uh, and the frustration they have that grownups don't understand this and they don't like being um, t- 
talked about as this, you know, poor little kid who can't control her emotions or whatever the case may be. And I just like how in almost every scene, there's this theme of how um, mature Ramona thinks she is and that she's definitely not a baby. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I I thought that was really interesting, too, and that... I mean, just thinking about it from a, the parents' perspective for a second, how difficult it is for parents to figure out in what way they're going to to treat their child because there are some things that you, you need to – they're teachable moments. You should be expecting certain things of your child at different ages and such, but also yet allowing them to, to be a child and not grow up too fast. Striking that balance as a parent must be really hard. Yeah, I'm sure. And it's funny reading it now from the adult perspective of seeing, obviously, Ramona is not grown up. <laughs> like, she very much acts like a little kid because she's five. Um, but I was a little bit struck with the ways that her parents do give her more responsibility than I would have expected, like letting her walk to school with Howie and then at one point even walks to school by herself, mm -hmm. which is a really funny story too. But it must not I assume it's not that far, but I can't imagine letting a five-year-old – I mean, I lived across the street from my elementary school. I don't think I ever walked to school by myself, but I could have. I don't know. Um, so in that way, it, it's funny to look at it, both from Ramona, Ramona's perspective and understand – kind of remembering that frustration of like, no, I'm old enough. I can handle this. And then at the same time, she really does have more responsibility than she realizes. Yeah, I think uh, this is this is a tiny bit of a side tangent, maybe, but that I think that might have something to do with the time period that this was written in, as well, um, because she's um, Clary is writing from the perspective of the '60s, I think, or actually, yeah, this came out in '68, so mm -hmm. she's she's kind of got that in the as the backdrop for her story or the setting of her story, so I think. It's very interesting to remember because I, I remember reading pretty much any of Cleary's books um, and you could definitely – I always – well, okay, no, I take this back. Um, I always tried to figure out where – when it was set, but Cleary was really careful about making sure not to date her books, which I thought was really interesting. Um, yeah, so, which, I was thinking about that too. Yeah, I sometimes I I think I I prefer it in this, but um, yeah, I would wonder if in this particular instance this had that had us a little bit of something to do with the time period. That's probably true, but I do like that even as you're reading it. Like I, when I was reading it, I was almost done before I thought, wait, what year was this written? Because it really mm. could be any time from the '50s, even I feel like through the early '80s. Yep, it just it's very timeless. Yeah, which I really love. Actually, that's a point about the movie um, that I read somewhere is that she wanted all – so Cleary was involved in like the directorial process of the movie or something like that. She was consulted about it, and she requested that um, all styles and technology, anything that could date the movie be taken out of it, which I thought was really interesting. Oh, that's neat. I yeah. like that. Yep. So um, – so another point of, of mine, I think I touched a tiny bit on this in my first with, with the principled aspect of this, but is this the, the logic of children that is so, I don't know, confusing to adults at sometimes, <laughs> but it makes so much sense to the little kids. I think a couple of my favorite examples from this 
um, are Ramona and the Donzer. <laughs> I so before I read the book, I think my mom told me because she grew up reading this book, and my mom told me about that scene, and I thought it was hilarious. So then when I was reading the book, that jumped out to me. Poor Ramona, she just she wanted to show off her knowledge, but it does sound like that. So whenever I sing the national anthem, it it sounds like Donzer Lee Light. If you if you're not careful about pronunciation. One of those things I love about that scene, too, is not only that we know for months and months Ramona has been thinking the song goes Donzer, <laughs> Lee Light, um, but when she just says it so casually in front of her family, like, yeah, turn on the Donzer. Oh, yeah. And is, like, surprised when nobody knows what that means. <laughs> exactly. I I think I think it should be entered down into – I mean, uh, uh, Roald Dahl got to invent all kinds of words. I think this should be Beverly Cleary's word <laughs> that gets put down in a, in a dictionary. So that and then – then um, sit here for the present when Miss Binny, the first day of kindergarten, tells her to to sit down, and Ramona's like, "Oh, look at this!" I'm going. She takes it so literally, and you, you as the reader, are just like, "Oh no, not that!" <laughs> that was so heartbreaking this time oh. around, and you see that same thing in Miss Binny too, where she's like, "Oh no, you've been thinking you were gonna get a present. Yep, but you're not. <laughs> you're not." But these little kids are just so you. You have to be precise it, it's it's a lesson i think to readers to remember to be aware of uh how you are communicating with kids not talking down to them but being clear with them because you're you're forming the way that they understand how the world works and so you want to do that through um not baby talk but through of course beautiful language but being being um straightforward in a lot of things so children are very smart and they can they can analogies work really well and there's all sorts of ways to talk to children but also with this particular child I think it's important to remember that she likes clarity (laughs) that is true but I think my favorite of all of these that I read it and then it wasn't until a couple days later that I find it finally hit me that the (laughs) answer was when she walked to school by herself and they told her to walk at a quarter past and she was late. Well, it's because in her mind, a quarter was 25 cents. So therefore she was going to leave at 825. And because I'm really bad at math, Chandler, I just kind of (laughs) glazed over this section and I didn't understand why she was late for school. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and then I was thinking about it, like actually thinking about it later. And I was like, oh, 15 quarters time. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> My mother. It's funny, yeah. too. I was just impressed reading it thinking, oh, wow, she actually really knows how to tell time. Like, and mm-hmm. at least in the picture in my book, it's with a, um analog clock, which I guess it probably must have been at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just really impressed by that. And I thought it was really funny that she just came up with this logical definition for quarter. And yeah, <laughs> it's great. of course, of course. So, uh, yeah, there was that. So did you have uh, another another thought on a theme here? Yeah, one of the things that has been the most memorable in this whole series for me um, is this theme of trouble that comes from Ramona's impulsiveness 
and specifically the fact that Ramona cannot resist pulling her classmate Susan's curly hair. This gets her into trouble all the time at school. And even though she knows this bothers Susan, Ramona can't resist and even resents being called a pest for it. I love the scene where her beloved teacher, Miss Binney, tells her how disappointed she is that Ramona disobeyed. And she asks if Ramona can stop pulling Susan's hair. Ramona takes this question very seriously and answers honestly that she cannot, which is so funny. She takes a long time to think about it and says, no, I can't. And she ends up being punished for it. But the worst part is that she feels that Miss Binney doesn't love her anymore. But she learns a valuable lesson, which is that even though she can be a pest sometimes, her family and her teacher still love her. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I don't know why, but just the scene of Ramona chasing Susan around the <laughs> playground and pulling her hair has just always stuck with me. But I don't remember necessarily picking up on this theme of and, and kind of redemption, but not really redemption because she never actually, you know, fell in anyone's eyes because they know she's a five-year-old who can't control herself and they love her anyway. And it's very sweet. It is. Oh, my gosh. It really very much is. It, you just uh, – and. Y- even as an older um reader i you just like obviously ramona's the protagonist so you like her but no matter how frustrated i could get with ramona i just could not stand susan so part of you is just like she deserved it but yes that was such a funny part of the (laughs) right she obviously doesn't deserve it but susan does you know tattle on her which you know kind of makes sense but yeah, she's just so <laughs> definitely mean. the way Susan is presented. Yeah, you're you know Ramona is doing the wrong thing, but you're still sympathetic. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I I love what you said about yes, she comes to realize that okay, she has things she needs to work on, but that that importance of that family unit, that loving community family, is primary, and that Ramona feels that is really important. Yeah, and that they're going to help her work through this in a way. (laughs) Yes, yeah. She's not just getting bashed all the time for, um, yeah, for not behaving. So, yeah, which I love. To jump around a little bit, one thing I kind of mentioned was the illustration, just because there's a few that have really stuck with me. But one was Ramona sitting and looking for the clock. And the version I have, I'm trying to see it's Jacqueline something. Jacqueline Rogers did the illustrations. Are you familiar with hers? Oh, I don't think so. Is that another one? I guess there's quite a few. I don't know. I don't remember what I grew up with, but Whoa. these look kind of familiar to me. I wonder what year this edition is. Yeah. Um. Okay, because I was... Um... Oh, no, this is 2013. I wouldn't have read this one. Interesting. Ah, okay. That must be a brand new one because the um, where I was kind of getting my oh Jacqueline Rogers, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so there were there are actually four um, that oh, have okay. that have depicted Ramona over the years. I was like, there's this um, on CBC uh, dot com. They there's this big list of 100 things you might not know about Beverly Cleary, and I love this list. Um, and fact number yeah. 20 is that four artists have portrayed Ramona. I grew up reading the Lewis Darling and Alan T. Um, T. Green ones. So. You know what? I just Googled the the Lewis Darling one, and that's that's definitely what I grew Is up with. Is that what she grew up with? Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to see what the other one, Alan T. Green, looks like. 
Oh, interesting. Do you recognize that? That's a lot that? like the Jacqueline one. I recognize the cover. For, oh, maybe I have. We were talking before we started recording about some of the other books that just did not, the titles did not sound particularly familiar. But I've definitely seen his cover of Ramona's World and mm-hmm. Ramona the Brave, Yep, which I, I think I did read Ramona the Brave. So that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I'm not a fan. So the one, the one that I was reading for in preparation for to, um, for today was the Tracy Dockray one, and I, I'm not a fan. I don't like how it looks. Oh, interesting. But um, that's personal preference. I want to. Tracy Dockray, you said. Uh, Tracy Dockray. So just how do you doc, spell that? D o c k r a y. R a y. Interesting. Oh. Yeah, it's very modern, which yeah. is – I feel like that would be fine if I wasn't used to all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I prefer I the older ones. Um, I do too because I think it even adds to the timelessness of it. And one thing mm-hmm. I like about the Louis Darling ones is it looks – it's like deceptively simple. It all, Like <laughs> a kid who was good at drawing could do something pretty close to that. <laughs> yes. I think, or at least it looks that way, which I like. Oh, a small little tidbit as uh-huh. I'm seeing a picture of Ramona at her desk. The fact that she insists on putting cues after her name with the cat ears. <gasps> it's just something I love. Oh, I thought that was the most charming thing. Yeah, that's very cute. <laughs> well, before we get too far off topic, uh, will you tell us about the recipe you picked out for today? <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, in honor of Ramona, I just this just jumped to mind. This is something that I love. Um, it is graham crackers with sour cream frosting and you freeze it so this sour cream frosting is super rich we would make it for birthday cakes and there'd always be some left over and so we would put it on graham crackers and stick them in the freezer for a little while so it got really hard and then it was like eating i don't know so it's sort of like eating a mini ice cream bar and it's just amazing and it just seemed like a really kid-friendly fun sort of thing um that's chocolatey and they could get all mess while eating it and but it's sort of like ice cream as well and I feel like I don't know do you think Ramona would appreciate you know that have you seen those pictures on on Pinterest where you take food and you make it look like different animals like you put different fruit together and uh, it can it looks like a spider or a caterpillar or yeah whatever. I know what you're talking about yeah I just feel like Ramona I- might be offended if if she had to eat something like that I feel like she would like to make her own that looked like a cat or something yeah. or something scary like a spider. Um, but yeah, I don't think she would appreciate it. That's funny. Yeah. I think she would just be ready to dive right in and like, <laughs> I think it was kind of a waste of time. <laughs> perfect. The snack sounds great. It's such a perfect after kindergarten little treat. I love yep. that. Yep. And you can have it with milk or water or whatever. So that's, it's very yeah, simple and great. fun and just literally just Google sour cream chocolate frosting it's so good (laughs) that sounds really good what um album do you have for us today uh it's funny it's one that i really like um i think it's a great album and normally i i I put some thought into what i pick (laughs) i do like i will listen to stuff and i'll scroll (laughs) through spotify and i'll try to find something but this one i did not even have to think about it just immediately jumped to mind and um i was telling my husband this last night and he kind of knew the books but hadn't really read it so i said it's about this girl who 
you know, she's five years old and she's going to kindergarten. And a lot of the book is her walking to school. And he immediately, he's like, oh, before the world was big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah. Um, so this album is called Before the World Was Big by a group called Girl Pool, which is these uh, two girls singing and playing together. And the song Before the World Was Big is really perfect for this. And it's it's why we both thought of this instantly. Um, it opens, the lyrics are, 7.45 in the morning, I'm leaving my house, trying not to think of all the ways this place has changed. Walked around my neighborhood 101 million billion trillion times. Every crack on the sidewalk below my feet, green, black, and blue trash cans meet me after school. I just miss how it felt standing next to you wearing matching dresses before the world was big. And Ooh. I thought of this one not only because, isn't it perfect? <laughs> wow. Okay, that's, that's I know. really beyond perfect. <laughs> It really is. It's like it was written for Ramona um, because, of course, just walking to school, but just the sentimental looking back on childhood. Like I almost could very much imagine Ramona and Beza singing this song together, just reminiscing on their school days, walking together, trying not to think of all the ways that their neighborhood has changed and just missing that feeling of standing together wearing matching dresses. Absolutely. Oh, that's such a great image. It really is. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I very much like that. Oh, well, thank you so much for that, Chandler. Yeah, thank you. Well, is there And should we talk about our book for next week? Absolutely. And I Okay, yeah, go ahead and announce it. And I have a funny okay. tidbit. All right. Um, well, I say next week. Next time, we will be discussing the book from the mixed-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler by E.L. Conisberg, which is a fun one that I read and I remember that I liked it, and I just barely remember a few details, so I'm excited to go back. Yeah, I read this book too, but like you, I remember one thing. So, uh, but I was at this bookstore that's right across the street from where I work last week, and this book was in the dollar book section, and I did not buy it. So I'm going to have oh, to no. run back and see <laughs> if it's still there. Oh, I hope so. So we will. That's so funny. For our listeners, you will find out next time. Does Sarah get yeah, a book for a dollar? Yeah, see how we liked it. Or I think no. we're going to like it. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Keep us posted. <laughs> oh, right. Well, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's the important part. <laughs> no, no. But yes, we will find out if Sarah and Chandler actually remembered anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it'll be great. I remember there's a fountain. I don't know if they wait in the fountain for coins or something. They go to a museum and there's a fountain. Okay. But that's it. Yeah, that's all uh, I know. Yeah, I think they they like live in the museum for a while yeah or i don't know why but yes <laughs> yeah I, I think i was we'll like, find out weirded out by this book but i'm excited to try it again and figure oh, it good. out so yeah, it'll be fun yeah all right well thank you so much chandler thank you and thank you to our listeners and to d and key for our intro and outro music driving home 